This is Music Ed Amplified. Hey everyone, I bet you thought I forgot about you. Well, I didn't. And even though this is ridiculously late, after four straight weeks of teaching teachers that started right after school got out in June, I am finally here to share part one of a great conversation and the penultimate episode of season two of the Music Ed Amplified podcast. A special hello to the wonderful people with whom I've been privileged to work so far this summer in Colorado, Georgia, Texas, and Pennsylvania. From soaring temps, I'm talking about 109 degrees four days in a row in one location, to constant internet problems, first time I've ever had to let a class leave about three hours early and then record the entire lecture, to a lack of air conditioning and a scary murder bathroom, if you know, you know, there has certainly not been one dull moment. But I want to share something really amazing that has been hitting me in all the fields this summer now that I've fully returned to teaching teachers in person after three years away. You people who willingly give up your family and rest time, your money, and you travel to willingly sit in professional development, you have been a tremendous encouragement to me. I didn't know if I would remember how to teach grown-ups in person. And let's be honest, maybe I didn't all the way. But I have been having a blast spending time with you. And I'm not done yet. One more class this summer with the Boston Public School teachers, and then I will be heading to one of my favorite places in the world, England, for 10 days with one of my favorite people in the world, my daughter, to savor the last bit of summer before we jump back into the next school year. My first full year, I hope, with no masks and being able to sing and move freely. And in that vein, today we have a conversation with three great music educators. Jasmine Fripp, a friend of mine and of this podcast, agreed to guest host another important discussion, this time with fellow choir director colleagues Dr. Shantae Pittman and Kelsey Burkett about what it was like for them to return to a post, or kind of post, (laughs) pandemic middle and high school choir world last school year. I urge you to take the time to read their full bios on the episode webpage because they are impressive educators with so much going on that needs to be celebrated. But I wanted to give you a small glimpse into the excellence that's about to hit your ears. Grammy-nominated educator Jasmine Fripp. You heard that right. Huge congrats to you, Jasmine. Also known as the Passionate Black Educator, has built award-winning choral programs for seven years and works hard to provide black and brown students with opportunities to excel both in and out of the music room. Dr. Shantae Pittman is the Director of Choral Activities at Campbell High School in Smyrna, Georgia, in the Cobb County School District, as well as Adjunct Professor at Georgia College and State University. For 12 years, she has taught students from elementary through high school and is a highly respected choral clinician, consultant, instructor, grant writer, and adjudicator. She is very active as a soprano soloist and choral musician as a member of the Grammy Award-winning Atlanta Symphony Orchestra Chorus since 2011 and the Atlanta Women's Chorus since 2020. Kelsey Burkett, 
one of 10 educators in 2020 who was selected as a Country Music Association Music Teacher of Excellence, has been teaching for 17 years and has a particular passion for the developing voice and middle school singers. She serves as the director of choirs at Hilliard Memorial Middle School in Hilliard, Ohio, where she directs the 7th grade treble choir and 8th grade treble choir. Kelsey is also the co-director of several other choirs for middle and high school singers, including Bradley High School's premier contemporary a cappella group, Shades of Blue, who have performed at the National A Cappella Convention and have consistently placed in the quarterfinals and semifinals of the ICHSA Varsity Vocal Circuit. They are excellent. Definitely check them out. Let's listen in on part one of their conversation at the end of this past school year. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I am super excited to get this thing started and kicked off. But before we even roll into this thing, I just want us to go around and kind of introduce ourselves. So, ladies, let's get this thing on and popping. Hey, everybody. I am Kelsey Burkett. I am the director of choirs at Hilliard Memorial Middle School in Hilliard, Ohio. I teach 7 through 12, actually. Uh, choir and acapella, and um, I'm pretty cool. She's more than cool. She's dope-tastic. <laughs> Do not sell yourself short, man. <laughs> we love you. We love you. Okay, my name is Jasmine Fripp. I am the director of choral activities and general music at Kip Nashville Collegiate High School. Um, a lot of you may know me as the Passionate Black Educator, um, and I basically go around the country working with music educators of all cultural backgrounds, ensuring that they implement an anti-racist curriculum, uh, that they're promoting diversity, solidarity, and inclusivity within their classrooms. And I'm also big on um, finding popular ways to insert popular music in the classroom. So I'm super excited to be here. Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Shantae Pittman. I am the Director of Choral Activities at Campbell High School it's in Cobb County, which is a um, metropolitan county in the Atlanta area, metro Atlanta area. Um, this is my going on 13th year of teaching, Lord Jesus. <laughs> um, and my specialty um, is teaching um, choral music in, in Title I, income areas. Um, so just like Jasmine, um, I do a lot of presentations in clinics, uh, working on helping other teachers to create a world-class choral experience for their students, regardless of their social economic status. So. Yes, ma'am. Thank y'all so much. All right, fellow music educators, it has been one heck of a year over the span of a hundred 80 plus days, we have dealt with the ebbs and flows of COVID, reestablishing excellence in our music programs, rebuilding culture in our classrooms, helping students repair their mental health while barely holding on to our own, fighting teacher burnout, watching our colleagues join the mass exodus of educators mending our hearts from traumatic events in our country and fighting for an equitably active education. Today, alongside two beautiful, highly qualified music educators, we will get to the thick of these topics. 
we have, we will leave no stone unturned um, as we speak our truths and unabashedly give an educator's educated opinion. During a typical podcast, I'm known for being very solutions oriented, but I cannot promise that on today. Hopefully teachers who feel they are by themselves um, can find comfort in the words that we say as we simply give our honest opinion and our review for what this year was like. At minimum, this conversation will simply give an honest review and hopefully teachers can find comfort in our similarities. But what I can promise is a thought-provoking conversation. Lastly, I pray teachers, administrators, visual and performing arts coordinators, school board members, and beyond listen, lean into their discomfort, and make a legit choice to make liberation something for everyone. So ladies, let's get this thing on and going. We're going to play a little game. I am going to say some phrases, some words that go along with the school year. And I simply want you in three words or less, tell me what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear these words. All right. First one on the table. (laughs) Live concerts. They happened. Excited. Yes, Lord. (laughs) That's my statement. In-person music PDs. You guys get music PDs? (laughs) Oh, jeez. And and that was was it. That was was it for (laughs) No, but we we did good. We have good good stuff. Ooh. um, I'll go with they happened. All right, next one. I can see that was that was a little uh, okay. Uh, mask, <laughs> mask, on or off? They're gone. Yeah, freedom. <laughs> um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Improving. It exists. Mm. That's my word. Mm. <laughs> that would be on the scale emerging. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh mental health. Shattered. In a better place. Hopeful. Uh classroom culture. Back in it. Best thing I do. Mm-hmm. We lit. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, when you hear the phrase, let teachers carry. Nope. 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 Big X. <laughs> Absolutely not. Shantae got a big old X. <laughs> I have to say, that'll be, if that becomes a requirement, that will be the day I am no longer an educator in a public school. Uh, ooh, honey. Like, y'all ain't gotta worry about me. Y'all ain't gotta worry about worry me. about me. That is it. Let me just like, no. thank you. Here's my laptop <laughs> and my iPad. <laughs> the pleasure. <laughs> oh goodness. Okay, so I that's more than three words. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it was. It, 
I knew when I put that one down, I was like, mm. <laughs> but just like this and some other topics, we're going to dive right into it um, a little later on. But uh, I can already see that we we have a lot to talk about. Yes. Um, we have a lot of feelings regarding this year. So let's let's dive into it. First topic, what excited you? about returning to teaching? What came easier than you expected? What joys did you experience? And what unexpected obstacles did you experience within like the first quarter, whether it was in your classroom or in your school? Just talk to me. Um, I think for me, the thing I was most excited about is we knew coming in from day one, a hybrid was not a great situation for us. Um, we had a new superintendent. He actually was the, a principal we had many years ago in Hilliard. Hilliard knew him well. Um, and so he knew kind of what was happening in, within our schools. And, you know, we just said, it's going to be, we're going to be all in every day. All in was kind of our phrase. I know it was a phrase for a lot of us. So seeing my kids consistently every day was something I was very excited about because, the every other day AB schedule we were on last year was chaos. Funny enough, when COVID kind of first hit about a week before everything shut down in March, I found out I was selected as one of the 10 national winners of the 2020 CMA Foundation Music Teacher of Excellence program. Um, And because the world shut down, that never was celebrated. Um, And so the CMA Foundation, um, you know, stayed in contact with us. I said, we're going to try and honor you. They would schedule something and it would get canceled. They'd schedule something and would get canceled. I'm like, am I ever going to get my free trip to the Nash? Like, let's go. Um, but um, finally, we got like an email, like emergency Zoom. I'm like, what's happening? What's emergency Zoom? So I got on there and... Um, they were like, we're going to invite all of you as guests of honors to the CMA awards and your principals get to come and you, we're going to fly you in and um, you get to bring a guest. And I was like, what? And they like ramped up all of the publicity and things that would have happened in March, 2020, like finally launched. So it was crazy. They were fully masked. I'm teaching these kids. We're also preparing for a state music convention performance. Then the CMA awards are like, all right, we're sending news crews into your school. And so like our local channel six ABC was here filming the kids, which was really cool. And they all felt like celebrities. Um, And I got, they flew me and my mom and my principal to Nashville and we got to go to the CMA awards. Um, It was really cool. They had um, all they had, like, it was a superhero theme. So we all were superheroes. Um, mine was creating a safe space. I wish I could show you on my giant poster right now. Um, but (laughs) I look pretty fly. Um, but they had all that filming, like, and then they recognized us in the middle of the ceremony and we were on national television. Like my phone was blowing up from home. Everyone was like, Oh my God, I see you. And then like the celebrities that are there stood up for us and applauded us. I'm like, so like, I'm going to say for the rest of my life, Jennifer Hudson stood up and applauded for me. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that was, that was kind of a huge highlight of the year. Um, 
And it was almost just a weird dichotomy though, to experience something like that. But then, you know, back in Omicron hits and dealing with, you know, this trauma mental health of all of our students, um, then all the DEI work that I do and those continuing conversations with a very contentious school board election in our district in November. Um, and so all of that noise, but then also these really exciting moments, it made for an interesting time. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, um, exciting thing was getting back into the habit of having all of my students every day um it still was kind of shaky at the very beginning because we were still like well how's this gonna go (laughs) um you know the the surge of the pandemic still dealing with delta at the time when we started back um I was just like well we just gonna we just gonna do what we do and you know if things push back to you know how it was before we'll make it work um but my kids my kids showed up um, in a big way this year, um, and were very successful. A lot of them, it was their first concert. My freshman, it was their first real concert since the sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they, they had somewhat of a regular, what I call Pittman year, where we had all of our concerts. Um, we didn't have any outbreaks of COVID, which was great. Um, I didn't play that. I masked up for majority of the time, unless I was modeling something. Um, I wasn't pushing back on the whole mask thing um, because I just kept my distance. (laughs) And knock on wood, I have been COVID free thus far. So um, I have to. Okay, I'm sorry, but like, do y'all think like maybe Black people are immune from COVID a little more than (laughs) I don't know. Like, I know I hit the Black community really strong early on, but like, since that like was Delta awesome. and Omicron, I'm like, I still haven't gotten it. My daughter hasn't had it. I'm not gonna hold to that. I probably I just cursed it. myself. I'm gonna text y'all next week and be like, I had COVID. <laughs> <laughs> that was the thought until until and then you know the whole gov- you know what I'm not even gonna go there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> if you need to do <laughs> um, but yeah, so I didn't get COVID, which was great. Um so that was something good, you know, um, and just trying to get back to some sort of semblance of normalcy. Um, so I think our one of our big things was like, we opened a brand new performing arts center um, mm-hmm. last year. Um, and we had the very first thing that we had in there was a combined performance band course and orchestra. We had the art, uh, art teachers had their students set up a little art gallery. We had the culinary arts team um, do some little desserts and hors d'oeuvres and things of that nature. And they, they served and things. It was so nice just to open it up. And we had a combined piece. It was our first full orchestra and chorus combined piece between all of the departments. It was, it was a really great, um, experience. And I think um, the kids kind of really saw that, oh, we're really back in this. I was like, mm-hmm. yes, we are. Um, and it was a really great experience for them. And they had a really good time too. So I, I love that. Um, for me, I going back into this school year, 
I felt like I had a lot riding on this school year um, in and outside the classroom. When before like I even got back into the school building, it I've I've had a weird ride through education. Like I taught for three years, I took three years off, then I went to school where I felt like I was surviving every day mm. as opposed to just like being able to teach. And then I put myself into another situation where I was teaching middle school. And that was my first time ever teaching middle school. Turns out that it's just not my ministry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I just, I felt like each, although like the situation was better, I felt like each day I was just trying to survive with one, learning this new school culture and two, learning middle school. So then COVID hit. So I missed out on the last few months of my middle school year and I transferred up to the high school. So I had my high school virtually. And the weird thing is I worked with some of those kids before because while I was working with the middle school, which is like the first two floors of our building, I would work with the high school students in the afternoon um, with their advanced choir. So this year was my first year in person with those kids. And I had already built relationships with a lot of them. Um, And I I knew that a lot of my kids had been experiencing so much with COVID. Family members losing jobs, um, just being the head honcho of their house when their parents are away. Mm -hmm. So my number one mission going into the school year was to build a culture of joy. Like I wanted my kids to feel safe. I want my kids to come into my room and feel like they had somewhere where they can just breathe and be themselves. So yes, we did do sight reading. Yes, we did do music literacy. And I I can honestly say like, I, I don't really did a whole lot of music by note my first semester. Like we worked on one piece, but my first we did 90s R&B. We did an African piece. My kids had a ball. Mm-hmm. And I I, kind of got on myself. I was like, well, I'm not meeting this choral standard. But I was mm-hmm. like, no, your kids are happy. They sound good. They're invested. And I knew that, especially once I got to the winter concert and I saw my kids on stage having the time of their life. As far as outside of school, Uh, I had a lot riding on Passionate Black Educator because all of 2020, 2021, I was doing a lot of things virtually, but now this is my first time being able to go and present in person. Mm -hmm. So it, it was, it was a lot. Like, I think my biggest obstacle for the year is just finding that balance between being this awesome choir teacher, general music teacher, and then on top of that, being passionate Black educator outside of school, and I would have to leave my school or leave my kids for like days at a time to go do this PD, do that PD. And then I'm a whole wife, a whole mama. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I got all the hats on and it just was like finding that balance. But I can honestly say like, by the end of the school year, when my kids got solo and ensemble superior ratings, when they came back from Trills and Thrills and they got superior ratings, when Passionate Black Educator went kind of viral after um, my bid down in Texas, my- uh, Mm, Yes, your hip hop. Yes. yes, 
like once that went, I was like, all right, I feel like I'm I'm doing something. Then of course yesterday finding out or like being officially able to I've been holding on to that news for so long. <laughs> 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 and the thing is, it was actually supposed to come out today. So like when people started posting, I was like, oh, snap, they released it. So just finding all of that out, I was like, you know what? This year has had its ups and downs, its ebbs and flows, but I can honestly say I feel like I had a successful year. Now, some things that kind of tripped me up that I just observed and it really didn't like impact me was or not not even impact me that I really wasn't expecting, but it wasn't like traumatizing. It just it really made me concerned, like the mental health of our kids Mm -hmm. coming back into the building and just it took me a minute to realize that my ninth graders were still in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Yes. Our ninth graders were still in seventh grade. So I'm coming in thinking, all right, they're going to be a little more mature. Honey, the devious no. licks that they pulled. <laughs> what was I that, that TikTok thing back at, was that in the fall? Yes. Oh my goodness. Like... Of course, I read somewhere, too, that that was all kind of a hoax in itself, but it definitely got the attention of everybody. We were getting emails left and right from central office about watch this, watch that. And our bathrooms were getting destroyed. Really? And you know what? I thought it had ended for a minute. And then like the last two weeks of school, someone vandalized the boys restroom again. And I was like, bruh. I don't know if this is true, but I was told that someone took an entire urinal out of the boys' bathroom at our high school. You know, I I wouldn't, I I wouldn't put it past any of the kids at this point. I've seen some stuff. I've seen. But isn't that so? But I think you know everyone was getting very riled up about it, and it's funny because I said, I said this is a direct consequence and results of the mental trauma that these kids have been under the last two years I said this is all this is all trauma response so but instead of reacting to it in that that this is a trauma response what did everyone do they were like slam the book zero tolerance this is going to be tolerated and I'm like well clearly those solutions don't work because this is still happening I I, going into that I want to go into this question for you how did this school year impact both your physical and mental health what measures did your school and your district take to ensure the safety of teachers and students throughout the pandemic and what initiatives did your school take in creating a trauma-informed healing-centered environments for both students and teachers do those places exist? I mean, I, I'm not trying to say that like sarcastically. No, I would love not. to know what public school systems are a- are able. And I don't think it's a, a fault of anyone's. I just don't think the way our public schools are built allow for any of that. I mean, we were lucky. We have one social worker now. 
-hmm. in each building, but we have close to a thousand kids in each middle school building. Um, I think the high schools have one, maybe two, but there's 1500 kids in the high schools. Um, And as far as the teachers go, you just, you just have to show up to work. I mean, um, I will say I have a very compassionate principal. This actually didn't happen this year, but several years back, I was battling severe, severe depression. I was working two jobs. Um, this job, I was working another, a restauranting job to try and pay off some student debt. Then on top of it, I was directing the theater program at the high school full time. I was basically doing seven people's jobs as one human being. So I was deeply depressed and my body was shutting down. And so I was chronically late to school and I had a student in that my first period class who would keep track of every time I came late. And then she would text her father when I would come in late. And then dad would proceed to call my principal to tell him that I was late. Wow. I know. Funny enough that family ended up waiting on at the restaurant that Mm -hmm. I was working at later on. And I think they realized like, Oh, maybe something was going on. Anyways, um, Mm -hmm. he was so compassionate of me. He never came right out and said like, Kelsey, I know something's up. He just was like, he just gave me 12 chance, 12 more chances that I deserved. And finally it got to a point where it was like, you know, I got a letter put in my file because I was so late, but it was also a wake up call of like, okay, I need to have a conversation with my administrators about what my job is entailing right now. Um, I had to take stock of what I was doing in my personal life. So I can't say that our mental health is not cared about because I had a firsthand experience, not necessarily during COVID, but at one point in working in the building I do now. With that said, I think our administrators were so pushed to the line that there was no space for them to invest in their staffs. And we just really had to fend for ourselves and be aware. I feel like, at least for me, I worry about more of my younger, the younger teachers out there that don't have that self-awareness that you do, you get once you hit year 10, year 15, year 20. And I, I worry for those who aren't mentally strong or who aren't, who don't have that self-awareness, how that's taken a toll. And I think we see that in the exodus that I know we're going to talk about later. Um, I think we see that happening with so many people leaving the profession. I I completely empathize. I have terrible anxiety. I had the mother of all panic attacks back in April of this year. And one of my students found me in the floor, hyperventilating, Mm. crying. Mm. Like it was during my plan and block in my room is that room where teachers, students, they just pop in. Mm-hmm. Hey, Miss Fred, blah, blah, blah. And she popped in with a, hey, Miss, oh. Mm. And caught me in the middle of a panic attack. I had to have one of my teacher friends come and get me. Um, and it, it's been hard this year. Like I said, I've been trying to find that balance. Like physical health, I, I will say like, I gained weight. I didn't catch COVID during the school year, but right on my winter break, it was like, we're out. Here's some COVID for you. Enjoy your quarantine. (laughs) I was like, bruh. 
like, can I just, but, you know, I was like, well, maybe the Lord wanted me to just sit down somewhere because he he knew that I was going to be visiting everybody and taking no time to myself. But now Mm -hmm. with that quarantine, I had all the time to myself. Um, As far as the initiatives that my school implemented, it was a lot of talk, especially at the beginning of the year, because I sent them an article talking about how we need to transition from trauma-informed to healing-centered, because ultimately, like, if we're just informing ourselves about the trauma and we're making decisions about the trauma, like taking into consideration the trauma that surrounds a student, and we have yet to transition to okay, how do we begin healing? Mm-hmm. Like, I sent them an article talking about that, and God bless our guidance counselor, it was only one of her, and she had like two interns. I just, I think they talked, they had a guidance counselor on hand, but it wasn't until like the last three or four weeks of school, we had a huge incident at our school and then everything down in Texas happened. Mm. And that's when they said, Hey, we're offering free therapy services for our teachers. Oh, wow. Where, where was that the entire year? Been that Mm. whole year. Yeah. Where was that the entire, like, I'm not, I'm not even gonna hold y'all. I don't get paid enough to go to therapy consistently right now. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't. So like, this would have been a great thing to have on hand, even if it was just like once a month, something would have helped. I just hated that we addressed the mental health of our teach. It takes for something tragic to happen for people to address the situation. Mm -hmm. And we've been talking about the mental health of our teachers for years and y'all wait until after a huge incident at our school and a huge incident down in Texas for y'all to say something. Yeah. Long story short, my mental health has been holding on by by, the, by, by my edges. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a good grip in the center with all the thick hair, just my edges. Like that's been my physical and mental health in a nutshell. Well, and I felt like with Uvalde I you know we've all become so desensitized I think I was a freshman in high school when Columbine happened um and I remember taking a whole day in classes and like talking about that and then I was a senior when 9-11 happened and then Sandy Hook happened and when Sandy Hook happened I was like you know what this is it I remember I was driving when um, and I was listening to NPR and a pre- the press conference came home and he said the number and who and the age of the children and I pull I had to pull over I was gasping through tears I was so upset about Sandy Hook like it's a core memory and I said certainly this is going to put us into action and change things obviously it didn't and I I found myself even with Parkland and all the shootings that have happened since then. I've still found myself like, mm, I don't know. And even in Uvalde, I've had I've had those same visceral reactions to the coverage and Matthew McConaughey's impassioned speech and those green converse and those parents and those kids. And I've had those same reactions, but there's still part of me that's like, that's still not going to change. And I hate having that kind of fatalist attitude with it, but 
until our politicians are voted out that continue to take this money from the NRA Mm -hmm. and continue to vote no on these actions. Mm -hmm. It's not going to change. I don't think it's going to change. That's it. And so here we are now people are saying, instead of saying like, like, let's ban assault rifles, they're saying, let's give the teachers guns. (laughs) That's the solution. That's the best solution you can come up with. And here you are. (laughs) No, like, I'm just like, have y'all asked teachers how they feel about that? Mm -hmm. Like, they don't ask us about anything, but yet still they want to arm us with guns. But they well, won't. you know, doctors, I follow a pediatrician on TikTok and she says the three things she doesn't allow in her house are trampolines, slip and slides and guns. <laughs> so like if a doctor is saying these things are not allowed in my home, but we're going to put it in schools with children. Yeah. That's a Pandora's box. But again, they don't ask teachers anything. So, you know. Yes. Mm. <sighs> Doc, how have you been feeling this year? Physical, mental health, you've all day, talk to me. It's been kind of up and down. Um, I suffer from anxiety and depression. I proudly take my Sotalopram um, daily. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, and it's all about, definitely has been all about a balancing act for me. Um, I found my limits. Um, as I was going through my dissertation process. And so I knew, you know, even with that space, uh, that time opening up because I'm done with my, uh, my degree, I was like, I'm not about to fill that up with every possible thing. I can't do that. I can't do that anymore. Cause I was running on fumes during that whole process. Um, and so this year it was definitely about boundaries. I didn't take work home. Mm. And I got used to the, oh, well, that's not done. Well, it's not going to be done until tomorrow. So, you know, I did just enough to get me through my first block because I have second block planning. Um, and then we we kept it moving. Um, I was very adamant to carve out some time for myself, um, carve out some time for my partner, because, you know, when we're high functioning and we're doing this, 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 our home life can kind of get neglected too. Um, So, you know, just making time for the important things and remembering that our careers are not our lives and we're not just our careers, (laughs) you know, and just making sure that we're taking time for us um, because I've seen way too many folks our age you know, having heart attacks and having strokes yeah. because they're stressed. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I don't want to go out like that. <laughs> don't want to go out like that. So um, just being more, more thoughtful about what I'm doing with myself um, and how I'm using my time to unwind and relax. I am a certified book nerd. So (laughs) I am always reading. um, And that's kind of like my thing. Um, But I said I was going to read more fiction, less Mm -hmm. nonfiction. Um, (laughs) So sometimes the nonfiction can get really, really heavy, you know, so Mm -hmm. I've been reading, starting to read my Octavia Butler. So I'm excited. (laughs) But, um, but just, you know, trying to be present for myself because 
when you're in a good, healthy space, then you can show up for your students. And ultimately, you know, that that's really the biggest thing that our teachers, we have to be healthy. We have to be mentally healthy. We have, you know, we, in order to be able to provide for our students, because when they coming in like feral cats and we don't have but this much patience, mm-hmm. it, <laughs> that's disaster. That's going to be disaster. So definitely keeping keeping an even head and trying to um, stay as balanced as possible is definitely what what's been keeping me afloat this year. Teach me your ways. <laughs> Teach me because I just I felt like I felt like my body now just set boundaries for me. Like when I got home, I was like, you know what, this ain't getting done. And I, I after a while, I learned to be okay with it. But I can't even hold y'all. There was so many times where like. I'll set boundaries or I'll turn this down or I'll say no to this. And I felt so guilty mm-hmm. because it was like, what is wrong with me to wear? Like, I can't do everything. I can't be everything to everybody. Like, what is wrong with me? But after a while, like seeing teacher friends leave and get burnt out and like feeling my own burnout, like I had to learn to be okay with it and every once in a while like even it's what two weeks two three weeks into summer vacay maybe I don't I don't know I you know teachers never keep up with dates once we leave the school building (laughs) but I felt so guilty for just sitting and playing escape games escape rooms on on my phone I was like I should be doing something but I'm like no I'm tired (laughs) this school year has worn me out so these boundaries that you speak of and you're just like I'm okay with it if it don't happen oh well <laughs> oh, father I, I just wish if I could just get an <laughs> iota of <laughs> your I, I it'll get done eventually I'd be I'd be a-okay well yeah it takes it takes you, like you said, your your body will tell you <laughs> it'll run that course and then you'll realize, you know, it's not worth it. I pass off gigs all the time and I'm just like, hey, it's fine. And it's, you know, it's, it's not a, I no longer feel guilty about it because I know the people that I'm passing the gigs off to are going to do as equally or if not better of a job. Um, and you know, it's not, every gig is not supposed to be the gig for you. Honestly, sometimes, you know, people give you, people will think of you or they'll bring your name up in conversation. And I'm like, well, I think I know somebody who might be a little bit more qualified for that mm-hmm. anyway. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's good that you're thinking of me. Um, but I know other people who might not be getting as many opportunities who also need, you know, their names to be said in rooms where they're not in. So, you know, I'm just using my boundary as a way to, you know, provide support and help for other people and other music educators who have a voice, but they haven't been given space to speak. So that helps. Um, as far as, uh, Uvalde is concerned we were like that was literally the Tuesday we had finals that day and it was a half day 
Um, so we had literally one day left. So it was, it was just weird. And I was just in a weird headspace that day, um, with that going on. And as the week went on, I got more and more pissed about the situation because of all of the other, this, it's a unique situation because, you know, of the police and how they waited Mm. Um, and how the police officers went in and got their own kids but Mm -hmm. didn't save these other children and then I looked and I was like well we're in Texas so who were the main uh students in the school and they of course they're brown children brown children Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I was like so on top of not having uh on top of gun regulation being an issue it's also racism that has an issue and everybody's mm-hmm. like well but the the police officers are also uh, but they're probably working in a white supremacist My situation friend. but again that's not our topic right here but <laughs> it's like it's just mind-boggling sometimes and um my partner is always like so the problem is what it's racism I was like that's that's where everything leads back to I'm just like everything all of society's ills leads back to racism and people don't want to acknowledge the character flaw in our nation's birth they don't want to acknowledge that at all and that's going to be the problem until they realize it that's going to be the the problem the unspoken pink elephant in the room yeah. yes the it's it's mind-boggling the hoops that we've had like at at the core of it all teachers but even in just this conversation like there were so many hoops that we had to go through and like before we could even get to the music, like dealing with mental health, dealing with physical health, dealing with our own safety. It's, it's still mind boggling to me how some people are saying, let teachers carry y'all are putting the responsibilities back on the victims. Mm -hmm. It, it makes absolutely no sense and it's just like do y'all do y'all even care at this point well I mean think about it they're saying okay teachers we need you to be the social workers the healthcare workers the psychologists the counselors the parent the food supplier the closer the financial assistance. Um, we need you to be willing to lay down your life in to protect our children. And if you are able to now, we need you to commit murder in order to protect the children on top of everything else we're asking. For the low, low price of... 50000 a year. Right. Right. Average. Make it make sense, because it don't. It does not. It it don't. I just. Well, it's funny. I was talking to my. I'm really blessed. I have an incredible team I get to work with. 
um, Alyssa and Jeremy, got to give them a shout out. Um, but we were talking and we we're like, at one point we looked at each other and we're like, why are we so tired? It, we felt physically more exhausted than we had ever felt before. I'm like, we are getting older. I don't know. We realized we were running at the old pace of concerts, mm-hmm. performances, preparing all of these things with everything, all that other stuff on top of it. And that was, I think, the biggest struggle I had the whole year was there is this expectation of back to normal, but nothing was normal. Mm-hmm. So expected to do, I think actually our last month of school in May, we had five, how many of those? So Friday, we had six performances in seven days. In addition to that, recording for graduation, a talent show, preparing an acapella camp. Um, and then not me, one of us, not me is getting ready to have a baby <laughs> all on top of that. Like, yeah, but it's fine. Everything's fine. I have a, I have a shirt that says that it's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> Are, there flames? Are there flames? There are no flames, but it just says it's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> I have another colleague that had brains, had to have a brain tumor removed this year and she has that shirt. It's fine. Everything's fine. But she got a text message two days after having brain surgery, open brain surgery, asking her to put her grades in, even though she had a long-term sub. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, she guys, you just had brain surgery. Why are you asking her to put her grades in? I hate it here. They're right. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This current educational system is just well and even I got a little mad at my dad because I had made a post on social media you know, that this was the hardest year ever. And I, for the first time in 16 years, I seriously thought about leaving. And, um, he, and I said, I say, because of the kids, is that the best reason? I don't know, but it's my reason. But he was like, well, what was so hard about this year? And I was like, what do you mean? What was so hard? Look at what's going on in the world. Like I was a little offended by him questioning that just because I was like, this was terrible like the mental health, the school shootings, the expectation of perfection at all times, the political screaming, the systemic racism, like what wasn't hard? I, I, I ran into some veteran teachers. I've met some first year teachers and the consensus was like, this has by far been the hardest year of teaching. <clears throat> and I, I even said it to my my teacher friends, I was just like, y'all, I don't know what it is, but it feels like I'm in my first year of teaching mm-hmm. all over again. There were moments where I was just like, I think I'm doing this, but I've done it like a thousand times before. So it's like, I, just, uh, I, I hope I'm doing this right. So I, I mean, by the grace of God, we were able to maintain or not even maintain, like create some culture of excellence mm-hmm. within my program. And I want to dive into that with you ladies. Let's kind of move away and go into a lighter topic, mm-hmm. hopefully. <laughs> so let's go into the thing that we do. And according to our roles as teachers, we make music. Uh, when it comes to excellence within your program, what did your students retain from previous years or it just came naturally <laughs> to them? What did you have to reteach or rebuild? 
And what do you feel like you had to teach from scratch? And when, at what point did you realize, you know what, I'm doing okay. And my work isn't going to the wayside. Like they get it. Talk to me. Um, For me, the kids were better off vocally than I thought they would be. I probably did a lot of work during hybrid of music theory skills, you know, some sight reading techniques and things, whatever I could do to try to keep them engaged when we were Zooming. You know, I still miss being able to mute people <laughs> or kick them out. I do miss that much. Bring um, back the mute button. <laughs> right. <laughs> but musically, musically, um, my intermediate and advanced students were right, right on, right on par. With my beginners, I had to remember that they hadn't really been singing for two years. So I definitely had to start at ground level zero, building technique, getting that back into their and back in the habit. The things that I would start my freshman choirs out with, I took it a little bit easier. We start, well, we do this every year, but we started definitely more, more foundational work, um, more work on building choral tone and, you know, experimenting with different vowel shapes and things of that nature, starting with unison rounds, um, getting them singing, like you were saying, establish the joy, reestablish the joy of just singing and, and singing with singing with pride because we forget, you know, that's our instrument. We don't play an instrument where we have to, you know, push down some keys or whatever, what have you. Our instrument is our, our body. Um, and if we're not comfortable with each other in our setting, it's not going to be a good experience. And so building building the community was another thing that I was like, oh, I haven't done this in forever, you know, <laughs> but it came back, it came back pretty naturally for me. Uh, and the kids were always, always thankful for that. Um, and a lot of my seniors this year mentioned how helpful it was to have that sense of community. Um, and they mentioned that, you know, we're one of the largest schools in our district and one of the most diverse um, and they were mentioning how choir and the chorus room was a, a safe space for them. And that's what I want to continue to make sure that I have available for all of my students. So. Um, I think for us, we had some like really amazing things happen this year. My Our eighth grade treble choir was invited to perform for the state music conference. So we prepared for that to have it canceled by a snowstorm. <laughs> it was just a very ironic moment. We had a running joke this year that that, I don't know, there was like a weird curse because that happened. Then we were trying to figure out how to kind of reward those singers because they had worked so hard, had prepared so much for it. So we took them to a recording session downtown at one of the beautiful churches in downtown Columbus. And then we were going to go to a place called Spaghetti Warehouse afterwards for lunch. So we did this recording session. It was so great. Get on the bus. There's this huge traffic jam. It was on St. Patrick's Day. So we thought maybe it was a St. Patrick's Day parade. So our bus pulls up a little further and there's a cop and he's like, cop's like, where are you trying to go? And he's like, oh, we're trying to get to Spaghetti Warehouse. He's like, no, you're not. The roof just collapsed. <laughs> so the place we were going to take them for lunch literally 10 minutes before we got there. Wow. The roof collapsed. 
<laughs> so yeah so that was a fun day so that was kind of a great thing because we definitely I mean they had prepared 12 songs for that performance man I pushed them so hard on that so that was a whole interesting thing but then with our acapella groups like we're so proud we've got this pretty thriving acapella program 7 through 12 here um, on the Memorial Bradley side. We've got Blue Notes Acapella, which is our middle school acapella group. And then three groups at the high school, Wave Acapella, which is all treble group, Echo Acapella, which is uh, kind of a JV group, and then Shades of Blue Acapella. Last year during the pandemic, we decided to shift to recording because up until that point we competed on the varsity vocals circuit they won their quarterfinals we're about to go to semifinals and then the world shut down so we're like what do we do and so we started recording the first e- our first ep came out last year it's called courage you can stream everything on all platforms it was nominated for a contemporary acapella award our very first ep Then we recorded again this year, and there was something called the National Acapella Convention that Jeremy, my co-teacher, and I had been looking at for the last couple of years. It had previously been held at Briarcrest Schools in Memphis, Tennessee, and J.D. Frizzell, who's the director there and very big in the acapella world, decided to move it to Orlando, Florida. Pandemic happened, so we knew he was going to try and do it again here, you know, with the whole trip thing you have to like start stuff a year in advance so here we are planning for this trip submitting shades of blue for the high school showcase covid i think in january when omicron was bad of the 17 kids we had in shades 12 had covid because they all are with each other all the time so it was like a whole two weeks where we like didn't even have an acapella ensemble but we're preparing for this performance by the grace of god the trip happened so we got on a bus with 50 kids and parents and headed to orlando florida um they got amazing days in the park um my daughter got to come my little three-year-old got to experience disney magic for the first time my parents came with us like that was so amazing having my parents there to help with her because like i'm a single mom so doing this job as a single parent it i mean that's a whole other podcast we can schedule some other day and just being a parent and a teacher a music educator i mean that's a whole other conversation but that was really magical and then shades was picked to be one of the 10 groups in the high school showcase at NAC. And so they had prepared the set. It was incredible, an incredible set. And they got up there. They were probably about, I think they were like of the 10 groups, they were the six to go. And they started. And like, I think I just had like a release, a physical release of everything that had happened in the two years. Plus the fact that like, it was a miracle that this performance was happening on this stage, on this national stage. And like, I, I remember it was a beautiful moment of like weeping, just, 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 just pouring out my eyes, everything, <laughs> but like also being present enough to see them and see what was happening. What was really cool is a lot of our, um, our main arranger that arranges everything for us was there. And we did one of his songs and we were standing behind him and his song, his one song he did with us was the last one. And our girl that sang Audrey is just like, she's like a tiny Kelly Clarkson. Like she's so good. And she started and he just like sat up and he like got his phone out and started recording. And then he stood up and like, they blew the roof off the place. People went crazy for them. Like 
it was just this beautiful affirmation for me as one of their teachers, for Jeremy as one of their teachers, for these kids. They had not had applause like that in two years. What an honor to listen to these educators. They were keeping it all the way real. When they talked about bringing back the mute button, I have to admit, I couldn't stop laughing. I would wager that we've all been missing that mute button in the past year or so, at least a little bit. I also truly appreciated how hard they worked to bring back the joy of in-person community music making that being in a choir brings to students. And their students are certainly blessed to have them as directors and guides. Kudos to you ladies on doing the hard work. And I really look forward to hearing part two of your conversation very soon. Before I go, I'd like to encourage you to support me and this work by going to the Music Ed with Missy Teacher Pay Teacher Store or checking out the Music Ed with Missy Buy Me a Coffee page where you can make a one-time donation or you can become a member at either the Earl Grey or Afternoon Tea levels with a small monthly donation. In addition to supporting this work, when you become a member, you will also get other benefits and fun stuff too, like the graphics I've created for my classroom, the huge Move Along with Dr. Strong card set from the Teacher Pay Teacher Store, lesson plan resources and ideas, and something like the following shout-outs I'm about to do for the latest batch of new members. We'll start with a shout-out to our new Earl Grey members. Amy Swanson, Karen J.K., Pam Stoker... Terry Everett, and Valerie Rains. And welcome and a giant thank you for the support to the following afternoon tea peeps. Jan Davis, Gavri Yarez, Jennifer Langlotz, Callie McGuire, Emily Brands, Mark Murphy, Dave Verno, and Stephanie Perry. Keep on the lookout in September for new resources and ideas to help us all get through this next school year. If you have questions about the podcast, write to docstrong26 at gmail.com. Or you can also reach out to Music Ed with Missy either on Facebook or Instagram or on Twitter at docstrong26. The podcast music you hear was composed and performed by Jeremy and Owen Strong. Jeremy also serves as the very patient audio engineer and editor for the podcast. Thank you, Jeremy. And happy 25th anniversary. If you enjoyed today's episode... Please subscribe and rate it wherever you listen. And if you are so inclined, I would truly appreciate you sharing it out on your socials. This is the best way for us to get the word out. Thank you for spending time with me. I know you are busy, although I hope you're a little less busy this summer. But no matter what, life is always demanding a lot from you. I hope it was worthwhile and that you're motivated to reflect on your philosophy and practice. I will see you next time for part two. But until then... Keep doing all you can to create a more musical, joyful, thoughtful, just world for your students, families, and communities. Mm -hmm.